to sleep in church, amen. Anywhere with Jesus I can go to sleep when the darkening shadows round about me creep, knowing I shall wake and never more to roam. Anywhere with Jesus can be home, sweet home. Anywhere, anywhere, fear I cannot go. Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you have given us. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being able to have these men here and the Mickey family with us. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being able to take part in the ministries of the 30-some-odd missionaries we support. Lord, we have dedicated this time to ask you to work in our hearts and in our lives that we may begin to prepare for what we'll do during the coming year. Lord, our prayer is that you will work here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church and more will be done for the cause of missions in the coming year than in the past. Now, Lord, we thank you that 2006 appears to be the best year for missions we've ever had. But, Lord, the need is much greater than what we're able to do. But we pray that we would not be discouraged, but encouraged that you are using us in your service. Lord, we thank you. We ask that you would work in each heart and life. And Lord, our prayer also is as we contemplate and pray about reaching the millions of unsaved all over this world, that we would not forget those right here in Astoria. We pray that you would work, that you may be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to take just a moment and introduce to you our, our missionaries that are here. Uh, brother, now, do you go by Andrew or Andy? Okay, well, we'll do that. I thought I had it, but I didn't want to be too familiar there. But uh, this is Brother Andy Hearn, our missionary in Nepal. Pray for him, his suitcase. Uh, should have gotten to his hotel room by now. Uh, but knowing the airline, uh, we're going to pray, all right? We will not credit the airlines for getting it there. We'll credit the Lord for answered prayer, amen? And then, uh, uh, Brother Mickey, if you'd have your family stand. I think there's, okay, we got them all mixed together here, don't we? Okay, if, if your last name is Mickey, stand, all right? And uh, they're missionaries in, uh, I can't remember the name of the town. I know it's Kenya. Nakuru, Kenya. Okay. And they'll be presenting their work Sunday morning during our Sunday school time. If Brother Hearn's slides show up, which are also in his other suitcase, he'll be uh, giving us an update on the ministry there in Nepal. And I believe we've been supporting you as long as you've been in Nepal, haven't we? We did catch up, and uh, if you wouldn't mind, could you make sure and tell that story? No, not right now, but tomorrow. And some of you don't remember, but we thought we were supporting Brother Hearn, and uh, I got in contact with him, email or something, and he said, you're not supporting me. And I went back and checked all the records, and uh, some of you will remember, he came back and I said, uh, the bookkeeper messed up. And uh, what we need to do is we need to uh, 
send him the support that we promised to, suspend, to send him. And he'll tell you uh, what happened. It was kind of interesting how the Lord worked that out. Remember that story? Okay. And uh, you better. You love our... No. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Brother, Brother Larry Burgett's going to be preaching to us in just a little bit. He's going to be our main speaker. Uh, he's going to preach to us tonight, tomorrow night, Saturday night. Changed the schedule on you, brother. Just Sunday morning and Sunday night, we're going to let Brother Nicky have the Sunday school time. And uh, but uh, uh, he, before Brother Burgett comes to preach, we're going to have a couple of things. Uh, how many of you remember uh, a couple weeks ago? We gave you the news that Brother Lucas was able to locate a place in Brooklyn to rent, and he was just short on the rent. About $150 a month, and uh, our church said we're going to make that up so he can uh, uh, start renting that place and trying to start a church in Brooklyn. Now, we had the vote on Sunday night, and I'm not sure how many people were there and were not, so uh, we're letting you know uh, what is going on, and, and we're going to turn the service over to Brother Lucas. Going to speak from back there because of uh, technical difficulties here. We started service late trying to figure out how to hook the computers up, and so hopefully this is going to work. But uh, Brother Lucas is not someone we really need to introduce here. Uh, he's been here for uh, several years working with the Russian language, Russian speaking people. And uh, just an interesting note Brother Lucas and Brother Mickey. I are all sent out of the Cleveland Baptist Church. Now, it's not that we only support missionaries from Cleveland Baptist, all right? We, uh, but we're looking for people who already believe what we believe. We're not interested in straightening missionaries out. That's not our job as a church. If they're not straight when they get here, uh, we're not going to fix it, amen? That's their pastor's problem. But the guys that we have here at this missions conference, they believe we can recommend their church is going to be just like our church except the name, the location, the language, the people. Everything is different, but it's all the same. Amen? All right, Brother Lucas, I'll get out of your way here and uh, let you go. All right. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be here tonight with you, and I apologize for in advance for any way that this uh, presentation may not be adequate. This is my first PowerPoint demonstration ever. I've always been a slide guy. And uh, so this is what uh, happens when you try to put a uh, PowerPoint presentation together in a couple of days, and uh, or, or a few hours, really. But we'll, uh, we'll, we'll try to be worthy of, of your support and your help, which I'm greatly appreciative of, and hopefully you'll see why here a little bit. But uh, the scripture tells us God so loved the world, and that's really why we're here tonight and why we're here Sunday mornings and Thursday nights and all the other times that we are here is because God did love the world. And if he loved the world, that means he loved all the people of the world. And whatever language uh, that you would choose to put it in, this is Russian, it means the same thing, that God loves all of the people of the world. And if God loves all of the people of the world, he must love this great city of ours very much because he's literally brought the world 
all of the nations of the earth really are, are in the five boroughs, as you know. Many of you have come, or some at least have come in your lifetime here, and my family came through New York City uh, to uh, onto Ohio, but uh, the, uh, the work is to reach the lost in this, in this great city. They come to, it, it's a world here in itself. People say that, and it's true, and it's really many worlds, if you think about it. And uh, it's a world of Chinese people. I, I don't know if you can see this well or not, but uh, there's at least, there seem to be four Chinatowns, at least three Chinatowns. There's Manhattan Chinatown, if, if I can get my, my magic markers to get up there, the Manhattan Chinatown that everyone thinks about. There's one in Brooklyn, there's one on Woodhaven Boulevard, and there's one over in Flushing. It's amazing. Uh, because when people come to this city, there's a Dominican. Uh, back up one there if we can. There's a Dominican uh, in Spanish Harlem and in the Bronx and, and even right over in Corona nearby. Uh, these are communities because when people come to this city, and there's a Russian world, really, uh, as you can see the red dots uh, in, in the city. And it really is a world because when people come here, they come uh, they come purposes of freedom, they come seeking economic betterment, they come to looking for a new life, but it's overwhelming to be here. Even I'm, I'm an American and I, I, I'm, I'm sometimes overwhelmed with the city and uh, just the size of it and the, the pace of it and, and all. And, and people uh, need somewhere that they can be understood, somewhere that they can speak in their own language and have people understand them. They, they need support, they need, they need work. They need a way to live here. And uh, they, uh, in a word, they need a community. And uh, I don't think that there's probably five different nationalities in that picture if you looked at it close. And uh, none of them are Russian. And if you're here in Russian, you are seeking the Russian community. I can understand uh, how Russian people think about uh, the new world that they're in because I was once in their world as a stranger myself, and uh, had opportunity to uh, to learn their culture in order to work with them as a missionary. And I, I'm going to very quickly kind of encapsulate my uh, my slide presentation here in four or five uh, five slides here, just so you remember where I'm from. Or this may be new to you, or I'm, we'll we'll find out here. But uh, the city that I w I served in was here in the middle of Russia. It's in western Siberia, a city called Novosibirsk. The Lord called me uh, to Russia in 1994, and I moved on to this city after being in another and began much the way. What you're going to see here is, is just a simple pattern that I'm about to, by God's grace, try to do again here in Brooklyn. Different place, different country, uh, the people are the same, but in very different circumstances. But the work is really the same. It's like the preacher said, uh, churches that believe like we do. Well, churches that believe like we do start somewhat alike. We give out the word of God. Uh, this is simply giving out tracts in Siberia. That's what, what I'll be doing here and am doing here. Meeting with people one by one. This was my apartment that I rented there. And again, I'm starting in an apartment. I didn't really want to here, honestly. Uh, but how can you rent a place that costs 150% of your support? It costs half, again, what your support is. That's really not very practical. And 
and uh, so I had to do what was within my means, and even that was barely within my means, with your help it became within my means. But I'd meet with one person at a time and uh, explain the Word of God to them, and when they, by God's grace, they believed, they'd be baptized uh, according to the Scripture. And uh, it, one by one, the Lord began to gather a group, meeting in, this is a, another apartment, Again, baptizing those who accepted Christ and continuing to teach them God's plan is the local church. And whether it's in western Siberia or whether it's in the south of Brooklyn or whether it's here in Astoria or in Kenya, Africa, or in, in Nepal, it's, it's the same work. It's to gather people for the purpose of bringing them to Christ and then teaching them all the will of God. And, uh, and the Lord, by God's grace, did raise up a church there in that city, and uh, I'm thankful for that. It was a shock of my life when I had to leave, truthfully. I had about five days to react, or less than a week to react, and, and pack everything up and leave. I had a visa problem, and uh, I didn't know what the will of God was at that point, but if you're, you stay by the will of God and you leave by the will of God, and our times are in God's hand. We don't, we don't set the clock. God does. Then we just have to respond as best we can. And I, I went looking for, the Lord hadn't changed my call. It was to Russian-speaking people. Uh, the door to Russia was at least temporarily closed. And so any place that had Russian people in it, I was interested in going there first. And that brought me to a church you may have heard of. Uh, it's a good church. I highly recommend it. And if you're ever in Astoria, Queens, New York, this would be the place to go. And I met some great people there who you might also recognize, and began to work with them and to hold services, and we're thankful for the fruit that we're beginning to see uh, here in Queens. Uh, but from the beginning, uh, very early on, I realized just from information I was able to gather, mostly off the Internet uh, and by observation as well, that really the heart of the community was in the south of Brooklyn. And again, the red dots, each red dot, if you... Uh, we're able to take it all apart. That represents 100 Russian-speaking people. And the information comes from the census that's taken, and uh, it's obvious where the concentration of people is and where the center is in reaching the Russian community. So for, I hate to tell you how long it, I, I knew that I needed to try to do something there. And uh, now here's where my technology was not able to get this under control fully, and so I have to do a lot. There are 200,000 Russian... Let's see how it's going. I had a name. Okay. Uh, what the first slide said, and we won't even try to back it up. Well, let's try to back it up. Let's see. Right? You only live once. Okay? And uh, officially, there are 200,000 Russian-speaking people in this city. Isn't that amazing? That's the five boroughs. 200,000. That's legal people that would raise their hand. Somebody comes with a PDA and takes down all their information, asks them all kinds of personal questions, and they say, count me. That's 200,000 people. There's a whole lot of people, there's at least that many, that are not willing <laughs> to be counted that way and to have all kinds of personal information from somebody from the government, especially if you're from the former Soviet Union where this man was the big boss. You didn't volunteer information. You would only do that if you had a green card or, or were well on your way to it. Uh, but the point is, it's a huge community. It's a, it's 
just a huge community that's larger than many cities and uh, just Russian-speaking people in our city. And uh, I, the, what I've discovered, and it's a great tragedy, really, for the Russian-speaking community, they left the land of darkness. The, the former Soviet Union was, was, was formal, full-time, rigorous atheist. And they were serious about it. And it was a brainwashing mode. And they wanted you to disbelieve God and they controlled the school system, and they controlled the higher education system, all telling you there is no God. And they left there and came to New York City where there was a different kind of God, not Lenin, but the green God, the God with the green eyes. And uh, that's from darkness to darkness. It really is. There's probably more gospel in Novosibirsk I guarantee there's more gospel in Novosibirsk than the Russian world there. It's all the Russian world there than there is in the Russian world here. And so that makes this, our own city, a great mission field. The answer is the gospel. It's the word of God. It's a light unto our feet and a light unto our path. And it, uh, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we're thankful that we can have part in getting the message of the gospel. And I can feel another one of these slow-moving graphics coming up. Uh, the need is to be accomplished. The work is to be done through a local church. It's just the only way. And you find a fixed point. You find a, That means a meeting place. And what you prayed for, and I, I had so many people come up to me and say, we're praying for you about that meeting place. And when I started to find it, when we actually moved, uh, it was so exciting to hear how many people had been praying about that. That was an important step. You got to have some place to be where people know that you're going to be there, and they can find you, and you can advertise, and you can put out the gospel, and they're going to be able to hear the gospel over and over and over again because they don't get it the first time. We don't limit God, but I'm just telling you, when you've been brainwashed and told there is no God, it's not going to be a acknowledge, b believe, and c call. It's going to be hearing the word of truth and hearing the word of truth and God breaking down walls making fallow the hard places. It's just, it's how it's done. So the fixed point was really where it's been at for the, most of this year, uh, to find the center of the community and be close to there. And I'm so thankful. I mean, I go out my door and people are speaking Russian. People get off the bus. There's a bus stop right in front of my house. They're speaking Russian. Not everybody, of course, but uh, it's, uh, by God's grace, it's not far from the center if we're not right on. And uh, the neighborhood and the street and the situation do matter. I had to deal with those issues and identify those as issues and see uh, and find God's way. And I'm thankful to tell you that with your help, uh, we've, we've found it. It's this humble place. The guys that helped me move know where it is. Uh, it's one block off of Coney Island Avenue, which after a whole lot of surveying and a whole lot of looking, I determined that that was the place to be was Coney Island Avenue where the largest part of the community is located. And uh, it's a, a good place. It's got its own entrance. That's the side door there. It's got its own gate. It's an entire floor. I can live there in the back. And there's a meeting room. It was the doctor's office. Uh, and at first, I'd show you the inside, but I'd, it'd be all boxes. So <laughs> I'll tell you that. Give you the impression you're renting a warehouse. Uh, it's not a warehouse. It's, a, it's 
to church, but uh, I had a lot of work to do to get it uh, to get it going. But uh, this was part of it, and I thank you for stepping up. Preacher stepped up at a time when I was I had to negotiate so long after I found this because they started it at or above my support level, and uh, that wasn't going to work. And uh, God was in it, and uh, the place has all new walls, all new windows. It's got seating for 25 people. It's a good place to start. And uh, because it's a Russian world there, and you got to be near the center of it. And uh, when you go on the street, this is on Brighton Beach. It's half a mile away, uh, just over the Belt Parkway. And every not everyone is Russian, but 90% on a, on a day like this, 90% of the people are Russian. It's a Russian world. And uh, it needs to be reached by a local church in that community. And if you look at that, if you could see it close up, everyone in the picture, young, old, and, and in between, they're all Russian speakers. And uh, it's a tremendous mission field in our own city. You know, it's the mission field doesn't start far away, does it? It, it starts really across the hallway. It, it starts on our own street. It starts here in Astoria. Because God so loved the world, it's the love of God work of God. It's what the mission conference is about, and what missions is about, and what our life is to be about. I thank you for your help in, in getting started. And please pray. It just started. All of the work and all of the survey and all the, the searching has just just started. And uh, by your prayers, we'll continue and see what goes with it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Tonight, we're going to be having a different presentation. We've got, um, hopefully, Brother Hearn tomorrow night, Brother Nicky Sunday morning. We've got some projects we need to work on. Um, some of you will remember Brother Kennedy. He's the man responsible for fixing this wall over here. He needs a new truck. Now, we can't buy him a new truck, but we could help him. Amen. How many of you remember Karen Nolan, missionary to Mexico? She needs a car. Now, again, we can't do anything ourselves, but if all of her supporting churches would give just a little bit, she'd be able to go buy that car tomorrow. But probably won't, but we're going to do what we can, amen? And we've got a couple of other uh, projects we're going to be talking about during the week because we want our missions program to reach into all the world. And uh, one thing, uh, if you could watch and listen to what Brother Gary just did and not be moved, uh, there's an altar up here where you can get that thing fixed. Amen? And uh, let's, let's pray about that. Let's sing one more song, and then we're going to have a special, and then Brother Burgett's going to come and preach. All right? 592, I love to tell the story, 592, and we'll sing all four verses. I love to tell the story of unseen things above, but we 
seated. sing is an old hymn that just simply says, Must I Go Empty-Handed? Some of you will know that. Listen to the words. And uh, Brother Burgess, we don't believe in big introductions here. The best way to introduce yourself is to preach at it. And so as soon as they're done singing, the pulpit's yours.
Well, if that doesn't challenge you, you're not able to be challenged. No, I mean that. Well, that's wonderful. And it's such a delight to hear a family sing, isn't it? You know, that, just, that just makes it extra special. Uh, one of these days, I'll have the whole gang up here. That was a joke. I, uh, I, this, is a, this is a really a special delight to me to be able to be back at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. And I'm delighted to see that there are several here who don't know me, which is, which is a good indication we've been working around here. And uh, I am delighted. I, this evening, a funny thing happened to me. This family, these folks here, walked in, and I just uh, greeted them like I'd greet anybody. And uh, when they... I shook their hands and tried to, I said, how are you tonight? Good to see you. Glad you're here. 
And I don't know what they said. And I thought, well, I guess they're from another nationality. or I had no idea who or what or anything. Finally learned they can't hear. Duh. <laughs> well, you folks aren't, uh, you're not willing to laugh very much tonight. You might as well relax and enjoy yourselves a little bit. It, you know, you do dumb things every now and then. I did a dumb thing. Come on. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, um, I, um, I, I want to I say this at the very outset. One of my fellow teachers said to me last evening, and I don't know that I got it r- just word for word, but I, I know that I got it generally, what he said. He said, here's a good statement to start your meeting off with tomorrow night. Uh, said, we are here to hold a business meeting on the fate of unbelievers in the world. Think about that. And that's true. We really and truly are here to hold a business meeting to determine the fate of unbelievers in the world. We either do something or the folks in the world can die and go to hell. Are you with me? Yes, sirree. That's, that's the truth. You think about it. I know that's, that may sound harsh to your ears, but it is truth. And we need to think about that and realize, you know, I, well, you know today, the first time, I don't think I've ever, I don't know if I ever flew into New York City before or not. I'm, I must have years ago when I was graduated from high school. Because I know, I know some of us boys came up here and went to the <clears throat> Empire State Building and went up in the observation area and so forth. Now, I don't know where else we went. It's been a few years ago. Uh, but anyway, uh, I couldn't help but look again today as we were flying in. Man, the, the vast place here with all these thousands and millions of people. And then I, I come to Open Door Bible Baptist Church, and I'm delighted to see this kind of a crowd here tonight. This is wonderful. But then I think about the responsibility that's on you, and I say, man, what a responsibility. We come here tonight with Brother Mickey and Brother Hearn and, we're, and Brother Lucas and say, hey, folks, you've got to think about some more people in this whole wide world that's dying and going to hell and if you don't do something they will go to hell and we are responsible and you say man how can we be responsible well that's what the word of God says and and I I know it sounds like it's an overwhelming thing you just feel like my word what do you mean we're responsible but you know Um, I'm going to do a little bit different tonight on, on preaching than I would normally, uh, but I, I, I want to introduce this whole thought tonight with some statistics. But I want to preface my, even my statistics by saying, Mark 16:15 says, And he, referring to Christ, of course, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now that's a mouthful. I mean, you think what Jesus said that to his 12 disciples. He said that that was their responsibility. They were part of that first church. We're a part of, I mean, you folks anyway, are part of this church here in, in New York City. 
And the same thing is said to us here. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's a tall order. How can I do it? Well, I, you know, I, let me give a, just a, a brief word of testimony about myself. And I'm, I'm a fellow Buckeye. You fellas from Cleveland. I was born and raised just 60 miles straight south of Cleveland in Alliance, Ohio. You know where it is? Do you? Some of you do. Uh, it's not a big place, so if you don't know about it, don't feel bad. Uh, and I was raised on a farm outside of that, so that's even less. But that doesn't matter either. But you know, <clears throat> finally this kid on the farm grew up, joined the Navy, and uh, ended up in Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, a friend from High Street Baptist Church, he wasn't a friend until after we got acquainted, but he became my friend. A fellow from High Street Baptist Church was had just finished his boot training out in San Diego, and we met in Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, he insisted on taking me to church, and we went to the Beaver Street Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, back in the, uh, back at literally, uh, early 51. And I had never in my life, you know, like you sang tonight, you sang like racehorses compared to the way I've been raised. I mean that. I mean, you were on a gallop. And uh, the way we sang back in, back in Ohio, where I was born and raised, in a United Brethren church, man, you had to take a breath between each word or you wouldn't survive. You know? And uh, when I got to Beaver Street and I heard Brother George Hodges preach, and I heard that congregation sing, a congregation of nearly uh, right around 2,000, they sang like you did tonight. Just a lot more voices. Um, but man, I mean, they had a message to say. And the preacher had a message to give. And you could tell he was speaking from his heart to us. And I'm like, what's going on here? I mean, I remember that distinctly. And if you've, you know, if you've just recently been saved here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church, you may remember too, when you first came here, he said, what in the world are they thinking about? Boy, it's a strange bunch. We are a strange bunch. We're different. And the reason we're different is because Christ has saved our souls. And that makes a difference. I mean, we can't be the same as we were. And, uh, and so this farm kid finally got saved on July 8th of 51. And uh, let me give you a, a, another blessing. That same day, I met the girl that's still my wife. And uh, we, I took her, I, that was on a Sunday that I got saved. <clears throat> and I took her home on Wednesday night of that next week. We were in a, a revival meeting, and I'm still taking her home. Fifty-four years have passed, and, uh, and I'm, I, I wish she could be here with me tonight. She would dearly love to see all of you. Gary Lucas, you dare not leave until I get to talk to you, my friend. If you leave... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send somebody after you and drag you back. But I've got to talk to you tonight. Don't you dare get out the door without seeing me. <laughs> uh, I know you, but I don't know you. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, and, and you know, look, Ruth and I were planning to go back to Ohio after we got married. We got married in, on October the 17th of 52. And uh, we are going to go back to Ohio, and I was going to raise beef cattle. I hadn't had my first calf yet. 
and, and uh, we're not going to have a calf. <laughs> uh, God intervened, and uh, in 53, July 53, he called me to preach and put a burden on my heart for the mission field. And we ended up spending 20 years in Japan as missionaries. And I know what Brother Gary's talking about and the slowness and the toughness. Brother Andy down here, Brother Andy Hearn, I know what he's talking about. Um, Brother Mickey, you're, you're blessed. You don't count. You've you got, you got a wonderful field to work in. But these guys, uh, I mean, we three guys have been working in places that is plain tough. And oh, uh, Brother Pete Montoro is on our, in our ranks too. Because it's a, a tough place to work right here. Going to work, work, work. And we were laughing at each other tonight. He said, we're used to working. And I said, yeah, I'm getting little results. And that's right. But we still work. I remember when a preacher came to Japan and said to me, you're wasting your time over here. Why don't you get to a field where you can do something? And I said, so we just let these people die and go to hell? He said, well, I didn't say that. I said, yes, you did. You know, I mean, there are people to be one to Christ in every segment of society around this world. And somebody's got to go. If somebody doesn't go, they're not going to hear. If they don't hear, they'll end up in hell. And I, I can't take that. I don't know about you, but I can't stand the thought of that. So <clears throat> then God led us back to the States. And I've been, in, I've been training missionaries ever since. And um, boy, I tell you, here's a, here's a statement that we formulated down at, in, in Baptist University of America in Atlanta, Georgia. <clears throat> the first part of it was in a book. We added the part, the, the tail end on. You'll be able to tell which is what. Christian missions is a proclamation of the gospel to the unconverted everywhere according to the command of Christ. Now, that was the statement to that point. I like that statement, but I said to my class, we got to add something to that. That just doesn't, I, I, I don't have anything to grab hold of yet. And so we worked on that thing, and we added this to it. And the establishment of independent, indigenous, fundamental Baptist churches. And, buddy, that gives it a ring. Now we know what we're doing. I mean, I mean it's nothing nebulous anymore. Now we got something we can get our teeth into and say, okay, let's go. And I tell you what, listen, folks, I have seen it played out in reality in life in Japan. I have literally seen it played out. If you go with just a burden to win people to Christ, and I don't fault you for that, but if you do not leave a church there, you've left nothing. And you've got to do something about that. I saw, I saw men come to Japan, and they worked hard, and they won people to Christ. And when they left, they did not leave a church with a pastor pastoring. They just left, and the church folded and was gone. Church that we started back in 64, uh, started, we started in 60, well, let's see, probably started in, in 61. Um, that church is, has been pastored by a Japanese pastor for these intervening years since 64 and is still in existence today. Just a year and a half ago, I was over there and preached for him. You know what I'm saying? You want to leave something there. Gary, you've left something in Novosibirsk. You have. 
And it's to the honor and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ that you've done so. And that's what needs to be done. It's got to be done that way. Something's got to be left there. Paul did it wherever he went. He left, a, he left elders, ordained elders and churches. And buddy, that is a challenge. Not impossible, but what a challenge. And uh, I, I, I want to I give you some statistics now that will... Uh, I know statistics can be rather boring, and, um, but uh, listen to them. I don't give, I'm not going to give you so many tonight. In 1950, does anybody know what New York City's population was? Anybody want to take a guess? 120,000? No, that's too many. But it, was, but it was more than 10 million people here. There were more than 10 million people here in New York City in 1950. There were, other, there were five other cities in the world with 5 million or more. Did I say 10 million? I hope I did. Okay. <laughs> I thought I did. <laughs> then in, in 2000, listen to this. In 2000, the year 2000, there were 36 cities. Now we went from 5 to 36 cities that had over 5 million people. It is expected, listen to this now, that by 2015, and that's just around the corner, there will be 57 cities with more than 5 million people. We started out back in 50 with 5, in 2000 with, with 36. Uh, no, what did I say? Yeah, 36. And now in a few more years, 57 cities with more than 5 million people. Also by 2015, the following 15 cities will be 10 million on up to 20 million. Not over 20 million. Those cities are Los Angeles, California, New York City, right here at home, Buenos Aires there in Argentina, Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, Lagos, Brazil, Istanbul, Turkey. Julie, you doing all right? Uh, that's, I just thought of my interpreter up here said, my soul, all these cr crazy names. <laughs> Cairo, Egypt, Karachi, Pakistan, Calcutta, India, Beijing, China, Tianjin, China, Shanghai, China, Osaka, Japan, <clears throat> Manila, Philippine Islands, Jakarta in, on the island of Java in Indonesia. Those are the 15 cities that will be somewhere between 10 and 20 million people. Those cities that will be above 20 million will be six in number. Isn't this amazing? Mexico City, 20,400,000. 20, now, these figures are horrible, aren't they, Julie? You all right? Okay. You're a good gal. Delhi, India, 20,900,000. Sao Paulo, Brazil, 21,200,000. Bombay, India, 22,600,000. Dhaka, India, 22,800,000. Tokyo, Japan, 27,200,000. Listen, folks, I've lived in Tokyo. I, I, I was at home, at ease, living in Tokyo. The masses of people here in New York City don't intimidate me. The one thing that intimidates me is all these languages. I've never seen anything like it. You don't know what you're going to hear when you step out on the street of New York City. You really don't. 
in, in Tokyo, everybody speaks Japanese, so it's easy. I mean, if you know Japanese, which I did and still do. Um, but, but here, you don't know what you're going to hear. That's why I thought tonight when these, these folks didn't answer me to where I could understand them, I just thought there's some, some other nationality. They, don't, they just don't speak English. But anyway. <laughs> um, so I ask you a question. This is the statement that we've given you. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, why should we, why should we give and go? You know, that's the question I want to work on tonight. Why should we give and go? He said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He also said in Acts 1.8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both, both, did you hear? Both in Jerusalem. Where is your Jerusalem? Right here. Both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. I mean, listen, what Gary is wanting to do over here in, in Brooklyn is right. What we're doing here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church in the Spanish ministry is right. What we're doing here in English ministry is right. And, and uh, on we go. You name the language and it'd be right to do it. And they're here. You don't even have to go across a body of water to get to them. They're already here in New York City. Gary, you did a marvelous job. You may have thought you didn't do such a hot job. I thought you did a wonderful job on that presentation tonight. Uh, those different colors and different peoples that are here in New York City. Man, you're, you're, the mission field is right in your backyard. Somebody needs to get a burden for some of these people and do something. Who's going to take it to the Chinese towns here? You know? I mean, they're here. And if nobody works with them, they'll die and go to hell. And you don't want that to happen. Do you know something, people? Listen to me. Listen to me tonight. I promise you, if you could learn to know the people, you would love them. There is no unlovable people in the world. I believe that with all my heart. We are, you, you know, the thing that is so thrilling is God literally loves us with all of our faults and all of our shortcomings. God still loves us. And I guarantee you, if you'll fall in love with God, you can love other people too. You really can. They're wonderful people. Listen, I grew up, I was born in 1930, not bragging nor complaining, just stating the fact. Uh, and, and so when World War II came along, I was an 11-year-old boy when, when Japan attacked Pearl Harbor. I remember it very well. My big brother was taken the next February into the U.S. Navy, and I didn't like it a bit. That was my big brother, and I didn't want anything happening to him. But you know, years passed, and of all places, we go to Japan as missionaries. I remember waking up in, in the uh, nighttime there in Tokyo with my wife and my kids asleep there in the bed. I'd wake up and I'd think, my soul, I am living in Japan, a place that I literally hated. Well, I did. They were brutal. I mean, they were nasty on the battlefield. But, you know, we weren't the sweetest people either. I remember one time a, a Japanese lady said to me, this was a few years later then, she said to me, 
I thought you came from a Christian nation. I said, well, sometimes it's been called that. She said, well, what'd you do? Drop the atomic bomb on us. That's not very Christian. I said, well, what do you think Pearl Harbor was? A picnic? <laughs> well, I did. I said it just like that. And she said, oh. I said, you mighty right, oh. That's it exactly. I said, war is nasty. And I said, if you'd have gotten the atomic bomb before we got it, you'd have used it on us. Now, I believe they would have. I, I don't have, have any ill feelings towards the Japanese at all. That's just war. If you don't use it, you don't have good sense. I'd win the war. When, don't you think that's the right philosophy? You're going to wage war? Win it. I do. I really believe that. That's why I'm, I'm on, the, on the side of our president. I know that's a little political, but you can take it or, or throw it out the window. I don't care. But I, that's where I stand. I agree with him. I think we ought to hang in there and do the job if we possibly can get the thing done. It's nasty. It's rough. Terrorism is a worse war that we've run, run into. This is tough, hard to manage. But I'm for him. And I say once we, we put our hand to the plow, let's plow. That's a scriptural injunction. And so, you know, here's the, here's the question now. Why should, we give and, why should we give and go? You know, I'm going to talk to you about giving. I really am. I got a plan in my mind for Sunday morning. I haven't even talked to the preacher. I'm not even going to ask him about it. I'm going to do it. And, uh, and uh, he may fuss at me, but he can fuss at me. I'm still going to do it. Uh, and because uh, I want to, I, I'm really thinking about doing something special. And, um, and uh, I don't even have to share it with him after it's all said and done. But maybe I will. Don't know. I haven't decided. Anyway, I want to ask you this question. Is it because of their temporal condition? Now, what does temporal condition mean? You understand temporal condition? Is, you know, uh, homes are not sufficient in many parts of the world. Um, I uh, just, uh, just recently went down to Guyana, South America. Guyana is on the north edge of South America, if you know where Guyana is. If you don't, uh, go back there at the map and you'll find the place. <laughs> uh, but Guyana, <clears throat> third world country. I said after I got back from it, I said, if they had a fourth or fifth world designation, I'd probably give it to them. They don't, use, they don't do that, but I would sure give it to them. I mean, uh, you talk about houses that are built differently. Uh, I mean, listen, it's a hot climate. You keep your windows open day and night. There's no air conditioning. I, I don't, I, well, in some of the public buildings, I did run into some air conditioning. But the private homes, nobody that I knew of had air conditioning in their homes. And uh, nighttime, you leave your windows wide open. One of the blessings is they also have a good system of iron bars that are on every window and over every door so you can have your doors open and windows open and people can't get in without doing a lot of work. I'm not saying they can't get in, but they'd have to do a lot of work to get in. And, uh, and then, you know, like uh, if this were a one, well, if the roof came over right here, I'm not sure whether it does or does not because I don't know the construction of this building, but let's just say the eave comes right over that wall out there and maybe it does. Uh, but about this much, about this much of that upper wall would be totally gone. Wouldn't be there. It's wide open. That's to get air in. It's hot. You understand? Hot. I mean, it's hot. 
and you got to get you got to move the air through there somehow so they build it that way well you get mosquitoes too you sleep under mosquito netting you get some other varmints too you might even get some birds in there sometime but you got to have air so fine leave it open but it's different style construction uh, I mean uh, do we have electricity mm -hmm, sometimes you have it every day all day no uh, about every day it's off for a few hours you never know when it's going to be on or off uh, what about water well same thing on water sometimes you have it sometimes you don't um, depends on the weather and everything else um, so you know it's kind of tough um, Japan isn't that way at all I'm, I'm, I'm just simply throwing that in just to let you know but I remember being in the Philippine Islands one time and I uh, uh, went out there. Here's the thing I heard just recently and I like it. If you can visit a, a foreign country, don't go into the big cities, go out away into the back country if you please. And uh, I went out uh, way out back in the Philippine Islands and uh, when the, uh, I forget the hour of the night, uh, it's been several years ago that I was there, but at an hour of the night, I'd say 8, 9 o'clock at night, they shut the generator down. When they shut the generator down, everybody's lights go out. Only thing you have is, if you have candles, you can burn some candles. But you don't want to, don't want to go to sleep with them burning because you might end up burning your house down. So it gets dark out there in the village. But I enjoyed it. You can go to bed at night, decent time. Get some good sleep. There are some pluses to this thing, you know. We, we Americans are kind of crazy. We're, we're going to do it day or night. doesn't matter to us. Turn on the lights. Turn on the air conditioning. We're going to enjoy ourselves. We're a spoiled bunch. We really are a spoiled bunch. If you don't know it, you haven't left our country. We are a spoiled bunch. And uh, so homes are not, and according to our standards, are not sufficient. What about medical facilities? Well, medical facilities, we get these missionaries up here to talk. They can tell us some things. I know that Brother Gary can, and I'm sure Brother Mickey and Brother Hearn can, and tell us things that happened in their country or they know has happened. Medical facilities, they're not so hot in some places of the world. It can get pretty tough. You know how, you know how babies are born in Japan? My wife had three of them over there. They ain't no anesthesia. They ain't no nothing. You just bear, grin and bear it. I don't hear any amens. I don't hear anybody saying, boy, I'd like to experience that. I don't hear anything. We got three sweet girls, though. <laughs> and that's how they were born. Um, so medical facilities, not the best in the world. One time I was sitting in the dentist chair in, uh, in Japan, and uh, he injected my gum with... Novocaine. I didn't know it, but I was allergic to Novocaine. My wife looked over to me, and, and she said to the dentist, she was in the other chair. She looked over at me, and she said to the dentist, is he all right? He looks awfully pale. And the dentist came back to me, and he knew I was in trouble, and he gave me another injection and brought me back. So since then, I've not had Novocaine. You, you, can, have, you can have all kinds of experiences and medical things on the foreign field. I remember when my boy... Uh, dropped a truck rim on his foot in Japan and broke his toe. I mean, there wasn't any question about the toe being broken. 
if, if, if uh, let me show you how it looked from the top. This is on the side because I can't do it from the, on the top. But this is why it looked from the, you know, it looked like that. <laughs> so I knew it was broke. No question about it. So we went to the doctor. And the doctor, here's what the doctor did, church. He pulled that toe straight and put it in place and then let go of it. And it just goes plunk right back off again. And he pulled it straight, put it in place, let go of it, plunk, it went off again. My son is groaning with pain. And I'm about to say, doctor, do you have to do that? I mean, so then, so then he decided, well, I better take an x-ray. <laughs> so he took an x-ray, and he said, yup, it's broken. And I thought, duh, we all knew that. <laughs> Sometimes medical facilities are not what they ought to be. And, you know, education may be greatly lacking in some parts of the world. It may be. Look, I, I've been doing a survey of all the countries of the world, and I've, I've done a literacy rating on all the countries of the world. I don't have them here before me, but there are some countries that only have about 35% literacy rate. And I think there may be one down to 13%. I'm not sure of that. I may be wrong, but it's pitiful. And then poverty abounds. Poverty abounds. Listen, do you realize, do you realize you're carrying, you, you can easily be carrying more money in your pocket tonight than many people in this world will ever receive in a month or even in a year? Now, that's true. It really is, because I've checked this thing out. The Democratic Republic of Congo has a gross domestic product per capita of $400 per year. That tells you something. Uh, I, I, wish I, I wish I had my information. I'll get my information. I got information on your, you guys' countries, all of you. I know what Brother Gary says. Somehow it's stuck in my brain. It's about 4,070 4, or something like that is Russian GDP per capita. And uh, uh, Luxembourg in Europe has a GDP per capita of $33,700. U.S., is it 30,000 something, maybe 200? I don't remember. So, you know, um, think of that. Democratic Republic of Congo at $400. Wow. Do you wonder then why people say you're a rich American? I don't have to wonder why they say that. We are rich. We are very rich. Look at, the, look at our facility here tonight. Look at the pads on the pews. Look at this nice carpet on the floor. Look at this nice speaker system we got. Look at the control board back there that, that he has. He has more knobs than he can even handle. Uh, I mean, and that's the way we live. That's the way we do. Uh, look at how I flew from, uh, from Little Rock, Arkansas today through St. Louis, Chicago, into LaGuardia. Luxury, luxury everywhere you go. I was hungry. We stopped in at a place. I couldn't even get them to understand what I wanted, but finally got a sandwich. They didn't speak English. No. I thought I was still in America. Do you understand me? You understand me, don't you? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing experience coming to New York City. It really is. You run into anything and everything. Um, but, uh, you, know, you know, all those things, all those things, there's no question about it. Homes are not sufficient. Medical facilities are 
are uh, not adequate, education is lacking, poverty abounds. And then I could say this. Is it because of the moral condition of the people? Well, we're going to kind of come home on that because, uh, you know, talk about lack of morality. Well, let me give you one illustration from Japan. I remember this distinctly. One day I was out talking, witnessing, and, and uh, I was talking to a man, <clears throat> and I said, uh, why don't you come and visit us at Makati Bible Baptist Church? And he said, man, I can't do that. I said, why can't you? He said, because of that. And I said, what is that? I know it's a little finger, but I said, what does that mean? And I, I mean, I was really scared to find out what it meant. But I, just two men talking, I determined I was going to find out what it was. And I can tell you. And he said, that means, he said, you don't know what that means? He said, that means I got a woman on the side. And I said, my soul, I didn't know that. Listen, but you know, can you say that? Oh, how nasty of Japan. Oh, wait a minute. Go look in the mirror. Huh? Americans need to go look in the mirror, don't we? Um, I, I put down this in my notes. Men and women living together but unmarried. Listen, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, you kids, listen to me. I want you to hear what I learned as a kid. When I was a kid, my, I think she was my third grade teacher, um, had uh, was engaged to be married and I don't know what happened but my mother whispered to me one day she is not going to get married they have broken off the divorce I mean broken off the engagement sorry that's the way we talked we didn't even talk about divorce I mean a divorce is far worse than that but today in our world in the world that we live in today, we brag on how many mates we've had. But then you know what? I, I, I remember one story from the Bible. Do you remember the story I'm thinking of? Jesus meeting the woman at the well and saying to the woman at the well, go get your husband and bring him. And she said, I have no husband. And he said, you've spoken right. You've had five and the man you're living with now is not your husband. Hmm. Immorality has been around. But it's still an, immoral, an immorality. It is immoral. It is ungodly. It ought not to be. And you and I, if you're out here knocking on doors and visiting with people, you're going to find it today just as sure as I'm standing in this pulpit preaching. It's everywhere. And we are not embarrassed about it anymore. There's no embarrassment. There's no shame. There's nothing. We are almost proud of the fact that we can do what we cotton picking well please. If you don't understand, that's a southern expression. Uh, I, went, I went south, guys, and I really got warmed up. <laughs> um, but anyway, lack of morality. Is that it? I guarantee you those things are happening on the mission field. Aren't they missionaries? It's happening on the mission field. Yes, sirree. America exports her nasty side. Yeah, there's all kinds of things we could talk about. But I want, to, I want to bring you to the third thought, and we're just we're coming close to the end, but we're getting down to the nitty-gritty here. I want you to think about this. It is, I've said, is it up until now, but now I'm saying it is because of their spiritual condition. 
Why should we give and go? Because of their spiritual condition. You know what? They are lost. The people of the world are lost. Romans 3.23 is still in the Bible. Uh, you know, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I guarantee you that is true. I don't care what the society is. I don't care how sweet the people are. I don't care how wealthy they are, how poor they are, how whatever you want to put on them they are. The scripture says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that's the, the basic reason why we must go. We must give. We must get the gospel out. They have no hope. They re Listen, they, they literally have no hope. Um, you know, I, I have uh, buried a mother and a dad. I have buried a brother and, a, and two sisters. And, uh, and I still have hope in my heart. The reason I have hope in my heart is because Jesus came into my heart and saved my soul. He gives you hope. But listen, Ephesians 2.2 says this, Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. I mean, look at verse 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Look at verse 12. This, that at this time, I'm sorry, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Listen to what Brother Gary said tonight. They taught them, there is no God. There is no God. There is no God. You know, the very fact that they kept saying, repeatedly saying, there is no God is proof there is a God. But they don't know. And I, I tell you, you, you can't understand this until you face it with people who do not know a thing. Brother Andy and I were talking to, uh, and, and with the preacher tonight as we were coming over from the hotel. And uh, he was talking about spending hours working with these uh, Nepalese and, and, uh, and weeks trying to talk to them and getting them to understand that they need Christ as their Savior. If you've never walked in those shoes that Brother Hearns walked in, you don't understand that. But be assured, he's telling the truth. I've walked in those shoes. I know what it is. Brother Gary's walked in those shoes. I know he knows what it is. It is tough. You just have to work and work and work and work. And finally, you know, finally they recognize the truth and are convicted and repent of their sins and receive Christ as their Savior and they're born again. Hallelujah. Here we go. I remember when we baptized 10 people in one year, I was ready to shout. I mean, literally. 10 people in one year. Boy, I tell you, you just, you just can't understand that without realizing these truths. Look at Psalm 9, verse 17. I'm turning too, so you can catch up with me. I know I go a little bit faster on my Bible, maybe, but anyhow. Psalm 9:17. <clears throat> Can't get that last page to turn. Verse 17 says, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. Listen to that. That's solemn. The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. 
What is America doing today, church? Is she forgetting about God? Is she turning her back on God Almighty? I say she is. And she's going to reap the consequences. You, we cannot get by with that. But think of all the nations of the world that have already done so. And here's the, here's the judgment. Here's the, the answer to it. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. We don't have a corner on God, not at all. John 3.18 is another, another verse that ought to arrest our attention. John 3.18 <clears throat> He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not, listen, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. It isn't because you're black, white, red, yellow, or whatever nationality you might be. It isn't because of the word, the language that you speak. It isn't because of the fact that you can't hear and, and so forth like our folks up here in this section. That isn't it. If you have not believed, you're condemned already because you have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You must be born again. And that's the burden that's on us missionaries and I count myself as one, even though I've not been there as a missionary as such for a long time. But I still have that missionary heart beating in my breast. And uh, I guarantee you, uh, the, the, people, the people of this world need Christ. And Open Door Bible Baptist Church can do something about it. No, they really can. You really can do something about it. It's just you're going to have to determine we are going to do it. If I have to give up something of my comfort... In order to get the gospel out, I'm going to give up some of my comforts and get the gospel out because we've got to get people to heaven. We can't just let them die and go to hell. That's unkind. That's unthinking. That's unconscionable. We just cannot allow that to happen. Listen to this. 9% of the world's population, this, this may be dated. I'm not just sure. I couldn't get an update on this, so I'm going to give it to you like I, I've used it in the past. 9% of the world's population speaks English, thus 91% don't. 90% of the world's Christians come from the 9% who speak English. 94% of the ordained preachers preach to the 9% who speak English. 96% of the church's income is spent among the 9% who speak English. 4%, listen, 4% of the church's income is spent among the 91% who don't speak English. And that ain't fair. I mean, you say what you will. But that, that, ought to, that ought to convict our hearts and make us think, my soul, what can we do for the foreign fields? And they may be in Brooklyn. They may be right here in Chinatown and so forth these various races that live right here in our backyard. I, <clears throat> uh, oh, I, I had a thought and I, and I lost it. Um, well, it's, I guess it's all right. I may think of it. I wanted, I, I wanted to give it to you, but I just recently heard something that I really wanted to pass on to you, and, I, and it's gone completely. I was reading down through that, and I thought of it, and, but kept reading. My apologies. So let's bring, let's bring this message to a conclusion like this. <clears throat> the answer to this, to this message's title, Why Should We Give and Go, is twofold. Number one, because of their spiritual condition. 
They're lost and on their way to hell. No hope without God. Nothing. And secondly, because God has commanded us to do so. You can't avoid it. You know, I look at, I look at you young people in, the, in this audience tonight, and I can't help but think, I wonder who will end up going to a mission field. You know, I, just as a personal testimony to let you know that I believe what I just said, my son, Mike, and his wife, Cindy, have already spent 20 years in Japan as missionaries. My daughter, Joy, and her husband, Russ, and their five children, um, well, they're really, right now, they're on either back in Atlanta, or, but they just left Japan uh, several hours ago. And they're coming in because one of our grandsons is getting married the uh, 18th of this month, and they came in for that wedding. And uh, Mike and Cindy will be in for that wedding, too. But they're missionaries in Japan, been there for a year and a half, I think it is now. I have never, church, I have never shed a tear over my son going to Japan. I have never shed a tear over my daughter and her husband and five grandkids going to Japan as missionaries. Never have, never intend to. I want them to do God's will. That's the most important thing in all of life. I mean, I may miss, uh, they've got one baby that's just been born, that was born last year. She's already toddling. We've never seen her. Do I feel hurt because of that? No. I'm delighted that they can have more children and that they, and, and while I'd like to see the baby, certainly would. I look forward to seeing Hope. Her name is Hope. Look forward to picking her up and saying, welcome to your grandpa. And, uh, and she may scream. <laughs> I don't know. And we'll, uh, we'll get her over that, I hope. But, you know, you hear my point? I don't mind. I tell you what, one of the greatest honors, listen, Brother Pete Montoro, listen to me. I know you believe this. I know you believe this. One of the greatest delights to a dad who is a preacher is to see his kids end up serving Christ. Man, what a joy that is. Listen, folks, when, I, when we were on the mission field, here's what was said to me. Well, when those kids of yours get grown and get out of your house, they're going to kick across the traces and they're just going to do their own thing. And I said, they may. That's true, they could. I hope they don't. And they haven't. Because I've already told you about two of them being missionaries. I've got another, another girl that's seeing her husband and four kids He's been a deacon at the People's Baptist Church down there in uh, Atlanta area and faithfully serving. Connie's run the nursery for that independent Baptist church for years and uh, so forth. And uh, got a, another daughter out in Missouri. She and her husband, they're a little bit unstable on where they're going to church, but they're going to church. And uh, my other daughter, the youngest daughter, uh, she and her husband are faithful members at, at uh, Shiloh Hills Baptist Church there in Kennesaw, Georgia. She, they run the children's department for that, for that preacher in that church. And they've got a little, little girl that was just born a year and two months ago. Literally, this is the second, isn't it? Literally, a year and two months old now. And that little child, it's, it breaks our hearts. Her brain has never developed. She is just as much an infant a year and two months later as she was when she was newborn. No development. My daughter and her husband are carrying that burden 
with a great attitude. Doctors have said you will not have the child beyond two years of age, and they, they may well know what they're talking about. But my kids are going on serving the Lord. And you know, folks, listen, we've got a responsibility to this old sin-cursed world. I appreciate Brother Pete, Miss Julie, and what they've done here. They're carving out a place right here in nasty old New York City. I don't mean that wrong. Don't take that wrong. I said it that way because it is nasty. But they're carving out a piece. And they're giving some people an anchor. They're giving some people hope. They know now, here is the Word of God. I can put my life on the Word of God. And I know I'm going to heaven. If I know the Savior, I'm on my way to heaven. And listen, people, if you've enjoyed that, don't you know, don't you know that the people of the world would love to hear that? You know what's, what's, what's tough is they don't even know they're lost. You and I go, and we tell them, and they're offended. But you have to tell them. Let's bow our heads. I don't know how to give an invitation tonight, but I'm thinking along these lines. I want to ask you, are you willing to go? Are you willing to go? If God were to put a burden on your heart, would you be willing to say, I'll go? Think about it. Let me ask you a second question. Are you already giving so others can go? I mean, you, listen to me. I'm gonna, I'll enlarge on this later on in the meeting. But are you tithing? But above tithing, are you giving above and beyond that to help the missionaries get their job done? And then I want to ask a third question. Are you saved? Do you know Christ as your personal Savior? Because we could have somebody here tonight. I don't know that we do. I don't know you that well. But we could have somebody here tonight that's not saved. And you've heard enough gospel tonight to know that you need Christ as your Savior. And if you're not saved, I beg, I beg you, I urge you to give your heart and life to Christ tonight. Could we stand to our feet? Let's have a word of prayer. If you need to come forward to pray, you're welcome to come. I mean that sincerely. Heavenly Father, I pray that your will might be done. I pray that you'll guide and direct and bless in a wonderful, wonderful way. May thy will be done in each heart and life. Pray that you'll bless and guide and direct in our lives and help us to look to thee and trust thee for everything. And if there's those here tonight who need to surrender their hearts to thee, to go where you lead them, would you please burden their heart right now in that way? And I ask you to also bless and grant that there'll be those of our number here who really need to consider, what am I doing to help others get the job done? 
we here in America have plenty of money. And I pray that you'll help our people to be willing to give up a portion of it that others might come to know Christ as their Savior. And then finally, the third thing that I've already mentioned. Dear Lord, if there's someone here tonight that's not saved, would you help them to come forward tonight? Speak to me. Speak to somebody here in this church. Speak to the pastor. Speak to the preacher's wife. Speak to anybody that is already saved. And we'd have the delight of showing them how to be saved. Would you guide and direct and bless? And may thy will be done, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Montoro, you take the pulpit. The song that we're going to use tonight is the same one the family sung, 684. It just simply asks that question, must I go?